Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Sitting in for the guys on Up on Game. Welcome. It is a Saturday as we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there with unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Happy Saturday to you, Kerry Rhodes. How are you? Dan, I'm doing well. Uh, beautiful Saturday morning. Early, but ready to get after it. Okay, let's, let's be honest here. We are about to embark on the enshrinement to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes. The busts are going to be unveiled. Speeches are going to be given. Do you still have withdrawal at this time of year? Like knowing that it's early August and you're not putting on the pads, you're not putting on the helmet, or has that gone away for you, Kerry? Is is this a tough time of year or is it a great time of year? This is like a nice spa day for me right now. (laughs) Not having to be out there in that sun, especially the last couple of years in Arizona. It was just unbearably hot. And so to think about not putting on the pads and the helmets and, you know, and all the all the extra padding for the the guy that's getting older in age, it feels, yeah. feels, feels kind of good right now. You know, it's funny because Brett Favre would, you know, tease retirement year after year. Mm-hmm. And what, what it would be, it would be like Favre's body would hurt so much at the end of the year. He'd be like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then summertime would come along and he'd start getting the itch. But from everything like that, I... I never played anywhere near your guys' level. (laughs) But I just know when my summers in high school were winding down and football was coming up, I was kind of like, oh, man, my summer's over with. (laughs) And and so, like, I never understood. Like, I get, like, apparently Favre just, like, got the itch and others get the itch in July. But I I felt like that itch would come, like, late August, early September when the real games are going because I just don't know who would have an itch to show up for training camp or two-a-days back, you know, when you play. Like, I have no idea why anybody would want to do that. Dan, I don't think it's about the itch for football. I think it's about the itch of getting out the house. There's, yes, there's, there's, yes, a, di- there's a difference. True. There's a difference. So I think that probably uh, you know, kind of helps to give them that extra boost to get out. But I don't think anybody well, – I would say from experience, I don't think anybody really relishes the dog days of camp. So 
That's where we are right now in the NFL. And speaking of getting out of the house, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah got out of their house. Oregon and Washington got out of their house as well. Those schools leaving the Pac-12, and it's the story that everybody is talking about today. Uh, Kerry, I know you went to Louisville. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm a Big Ten guy. Uh, Iowa Sam on our staff, obviously a, a, a Big Ten guy as well. <laughs> these, these sort of things, your conference, uh, where Louisville right now has kind of been untouched. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some rumblings of what could happen with the ACC. But the Pac-12 is is now in shambles. Oregon, Washington on their way to the Big Ten. And as I mentioned, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah on their way to the Big 12. Right. All of this is happening in the last 24 hours or so. And I, I am just so amazed at something that is so massive, Carrie, that makes no one really happy. Like, I have not heard, even, even from Utah fans mm-hmm. who – maybe didn't want to go to the Big 12. They were maybe like one of the last holdouts to try to make the, the Pac-12 work. And I think that they're kind of resigned to the fact. Oregon and Washington, I think, are just happy that they're not getting left out. Maybe maybe they do relish an opportunity for the Big 10 and to play in that conference. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is such a massive, massive undertaking. And I am so surprised that there are so few people that actually are embracing the realignment that we see in college sports. Yeah, the embracement part is going to take some time. Obviously, when you leave, uh, you know, the, the Pac-10, Pac-12 was such a historic conference and, and had so much, um, it had so much regality around it for me, it seems like. And it always, you know, you think about the old school broadcasts mm-hmm. in the Rose Bowl and having those situations happen, man. And to uh, see the realignment, obviously it's going to cost a lot of money for, for schools as well, even though they're gaining some 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 um, some money as well. But, I mean, the, all the travel, traveling to play these teams across country is just going to be weird and you know, it all boil all boils down to money, correct? So it's just yeah. It it starts to take away from the purity of the game as well, and it's just. I think when you talk about shambles, I think the whole thing is in shambles. I think college sports is in shambles um, as well. It's. I think it's a matter of time before the ACC ends up having the changes, and it may be yeah. maybe a decade, um, maybe sooner. Florida State may be trying to get their own way out, but if they are able to do so, I would think that others would maybe then try to follow as well, possibly to the SEC. Right. You mentioned, you know, the the games at the Rose Bowl, and it's not just USC, UCLA. It's, exactly. We're talking about Rose Bowl games. We're talking about Big Ten and, and Pac-10 and Pac-12 uh, then in the, in the later years. And I know the college football playoff came in and there were years that the Rose Bowl held the national championship. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, Kerry, because that has been one of my sticking points of – and I love college football. I love I, I love the pageantry of it. I like bowl games. I used to love bowl games. It's a little different now, but I think I'm one of those people that still love the Rose Bowl. And, and, and when all of this was happening – and we were looking at a 12-team playoff in college football and, and not the four-team. And the Rose Bowl was wondering how they were going to fit in. Mm-hmm. I would argue, and I would say it on this network, and I would say, you know, like, I just I, – I don't want the Rose Bowl to be ruined. I don't want that to – I don't want that tradition to, to go by the wayside. And I had people come up to me and, and, and even on this network say, Dan, the Rose Bowl's been gone for years. <laughs> you know, like the Rose yeah. Bowl that I grew up on or you grew up on or yep. the people that grew up on watching the Rose Bowl hasn't been around for years. But still, like to now think to now think of these great USC Ohio State matchups that mm-hmm. you had throughout the years in the in the 70s and, and even carrying on into the 80s are now conference matchups. Ohio State and Oregon have played in recent Rose Bowls. Wisconsin and Oregon have played. Now they're conference matchups. The demise 
demise of the Rose Bowl because of the demise of the Pac-12 is is actually something that I'm really, really having a tough time dealing with. Yeah, that's the one thing that sticks, uh, you know, comes to mind for me right away. Just that, the, like I said, there, it just it has such a, a, a regal feel to it. I mean. Even the broadcast at that time, it was old school. It felt like you're having an experience, right? So it kind of that kind of leaves off the table a little bit here with all this all this realignment and all the the the, the juxtaposition and all the things that they're trying to shuffle up there, man. So it's it's becoming a it's becoming just a business, and obviously that's kind of where everything is heading to. But you know, I'm a purist at heart. I'm an old school guy, even though I'm 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 not as old as I think I am, but I'm an old school guy. So I like to stick to some of those tradition things. Iowa Sam is uh, our technical producer of the show, and as I mentioned, he's a huge uh, you know college football fan, mm-hmm. huge Big Ten fan. Uh, Iowa Sam, you uh, you popped into my ear. You also are going to be sad about missing the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking, you know, the the. Even the patch, the rose patch, or the embroidery yes. on the jersey—it's like almost like a a wax seal on some kind of like medieval decree, or you know, it's it's something that like it, you look at it and it's got this it's got this historical, uh, you know, specialness to it. I guess if that's even a yeah. Word. When they reveal when they reveal the uniforms that they're going to wear and the patch, and we see this on social media, it is it, there's something to it, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it just it just it means more than like you know your your Gasparilla bowl patch or whatever because that doesn't have any real historical meaning or value. The rose bowl patch goes the rose emblem, and it's changed over the years, but it's always that beautiful red rose, and it does mean something. It means something for college football in a new year. I, Sam, I think it's kind of neck and neck with the Little Caesars bowl, right? It's, it's pretty pretty close. <laughs> right? Is that, is that they should put they should put two patches for the Little Caesars. That that's what they should be on both sides. If if you're getting two pizzas. Exactly. And this, this is a heavy comment, carry from Sam, because Sam's most recent Rose Bowl memory of Iowa is them down 35 yes. nothing to Stanford at halftime. Yes. But it was so still, that's how much you, that's how much you know it means to him. Going through the gate, like it still meant something to be involved in that game. It was, I think, either the 101st or the 102nd Rose Bowl. And yeah, I wasn't even in my seat yet, and it was 21 nothing. And then by the time I blinked, it was 35 nothing at half. But it was still like you still kind of count the amount of Rose Bowls that Iowa's been to in the last 45 years, and you're, it's four. So you're talking about something that they average once a decade, if that. So it's it is something special, and and like Iowa hasn't won a Rose Bowl since 1959. Oh. So you're like, it's like something that's always out of grasp. It's just like, oh. and and you know what? The only way I think that the Rose Bowl can be saved and it'll look different, it won't have the same feel, is if it's a playoff game. And it means something on your march to the national championship game. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know how really you can save the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl but, itself as a venue will always be there, but I, 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 ag- I agree. I, I agree that the Rose Bowl is going to be around and it's going to be a part of of the, the college football playoff. However, the only thing that I would just say to that is it's just it's it's not going to be the same. Yeah. It never no. is. No. Like there is there is never going to be a part you know, I, I sat there and wondered, all right, will Arizona actually be able to make it to a to Rose Bowl? Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> and now they're not even in we, – we don't even know how the conferences are going to set up. But even if they would make it in the college football playoff, it doesn't come with the gravitas of winning your conference and having that victory. Like that's – that. Oregon State hadn't been there in years. Right. And you're wondering, all right, was this the year that they were going to be able to do it? And hopefully it's not matching up in a year where they're, you know, the national championship game would have been like there's just a lot, a lot at play. But you had these schools that, especially in the Pac 12, that were trying to get back to Pasadena because it was a lot of USC, 
Oregon, Washington, and as of late now Utah. Yeah. But you're never going to have that. It is completely gone, and that is the, that's the toughest part of me to – because really when you look at how college football has been over my lifetime of 46 years, mm-hmm. in looking at – like the Rose Bowl was one of the constants. And even though it was a different reiteration of what we've had over the last 10 years or so, or maybe 15, it still was what we all revere. That, that's going to be the toughest, toughest part for me. Yeah, it's one of those things where you still – Throughout the whole bowl process, you wanted to see who was playing at the Rose Bowl. Didn't matter. Yeah. Didn't matter what it is. Even last year, you're like, who's playing at the Rose Bowl? So that's always been a sticking point with me as well. It's always been uh, a breadwinner in, in, in my eyes. Five o'clock Eastern time, two Pacific was the kick. So at the start of the fourth quarter, you could see the sun setting in the in the beautiful on the San Gabriels and behind the Rose Bowl, and that's one of the classic shots in college football. They're they're. The, the game gotten so big, there was no competing bowl game against it. It was just the standalone bowl game, and now we're going to end up losing the Rose Bowl. There's a much that's, a, that's one of the small casualties in all this, Kerry. I am curious, as a, as a former student athlete, yep. the travel has become such an issue. Do you think that the travel will end up maybe making these schools make changes? How much of an issue do you think that plays in, especially for the Big Ten now with four schools on the West Coast and the rest of the conference, you know, in the Midwest or the East Coast? How much do you think travel is going to end up wearing on these athletes? Oh, travel is going to be a huge problem for those guys. Um, on a professional level, Arizona had trouble going to the East Coast. And vice versa. East Coast teams mm-hmm. coming to the West Coast have issues. It's just, it's part of the nature. The body doesn't wake up. The body's, you know, it's, it just, it takes time to get to get to that step and, and, and get to the process where you can handle those things. And so you're, you're telling 17, 18, 19-year-old kids to be professionals and to be able to fly across country and be ready to play and be focused enough to get the job done. And it's just... It's not realistic. Now, I mean, especially in this first year, it's going to give the teams that are traveling to those destinations um, a, an unfair, I mean, disadvantage. And so you talk about home field being such a, a, a major player now in, in, in this realignment time. It's going to be crazy. It's, 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 not, yeah. it's just not an easy thing to do. I just, you know, I, I don't know what your recruitment was was like. I'm not, I wasn't in your shoes at the mm-hmm. time, but I do know that, you know, a lot of times you're selling, if you're in that conference and you're from Southern California and you say like you're going to Utah or, you know, you're going to Arizona State, you're like, hey, we're going to be, we play in LA every year. You know, we play against the schools that you watched. Um, these, you know, recruiting grounds that you no longer for the Big 12 sake of, you know, Southern California and bringing in athletes is no longer going to be there. Now, Texas is open up to those schools mm-hmm. um, much more than, than maybe it would have been previously without a Texas representative. But I wonder, too, how much that is going to play into it. How much is it going to play, you know, into Oregon and Washington? And it was one of the things that USC reportedly why they didn't want Oregon uh, to come to the Big 10 is because they wanted to keep those top athletes from Southern California at USC to have that national brand. And they didn't want Oregon to have those, um, the advantages that, that they have in being a Southern California school and wanted to keep kids at home. And instead the ducks are coming down here, bringing in top talent. And it was, 
L.A. Times reported on it this past week, but now at least for the Oregons and Washingtons, if you are a kid in Southern California, you can go to those schools, but there are spots now in other places that maybe you once recruited that you no longer can, and that's, I think, the case for Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and, and even Colorado when it comes to Southern California. You're now not going to be playing any schools from those conferences yeah. um, you know, that, that are based in that area, so maybe your recruitment ends up changing um, Maybe it shifts over to Texas. That 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 could be maybe the only parallel, but there are going to be changes when it comes to recruiting as that, well. That's a great point. Yeah, the lure of playing, you know, checking that roster and knowing that you're going to have those those storied teams on on your roster and have a chance to kind of play the teams that you felt passed up on you or didn't give you a legit shot to come in. Yeah, it's definitely going to ramp up some some guys going to teams in other situations just to. Uh, you know, kind of even that out, even the score out with that. So definitely going to change that as well. And I think it does open up the recruitment to a lot of other um, other teams also that may not have had a chance. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you remember the bowl games that you played in that that you went to at, at Louisville? The, the <laughs> I do. I don't I don't remember it in order, but I know only reason I know some of them is because of the guys that I played against. So I think 2001, we played Byron Leftwich. And Marshall in the G Mac, yep, the G Mac okay. Bowl. We right. played. Uh, we played against Boise State, the undefeated Boise State team in 2004. Yes, uh, in the Liberty Bowl, and you won. Yeah, we were the number three. We finished the number three ranked team in the country that year at Louisville. We had, I think, on that team we had maybe 20 draft picks. On, I mean, we had a lot of talent on the team. We. We, at the time, at the time, we were recruiting Florida and Alabama heavy, uh-huh. and so we had a lot of talent. I mean, on that team alone, it was me, Harry Douglas, uh, Elvis Dumerville, uh, Amobia Koye, um, Antoine Harris played corner in Atlanta, uh, Brandon Johnson played linebacker in Cincinnati. I mean, the talent we had on that team was it was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, we had Brian Brom uh, quarterback. We had Stephon LaFours. Um, we had Eric Wood, center from Buffalo. I mean, we were loaded. So yeah, yeah. We no, only lost one game that year. We lost one game. We lost to Miami in the Orange Bowl, but we were up in that game, twenty-four to seven at the half, and they came back and won at the end. But it was so we had a, we had a, a a crazy crazy team that year. Sam, did you did you did you want to dive into Liberty Bowl past? Or are you good? Kerry, were you on that team that Louisville team that had Brian Brom and Ray Rice? Or was that the next year? Ray Rice went to Rutgers. Ray, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, excuse yeah. me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking. I but, got my, uh, but my... you left after I, when they went to the Orange Bowl, right? That was that was the year after. The year after, yeah, yeah, yep, yes, yep. Right, right before they, right before the switch to the uh, to the Big East. Yes, yes. You went to a Gator Bowl, played against Virginia Tech as well. Yes. And now Virginia Tech is your conference rival in the <laughs> ACC. There, that's a perfect way to I put know. a bow on it. Crazy. He's Kerry Rhodes. I'm Dan Bayer. You can hit Kerry up at Kerry25 Rhodes on X. Uh, and now you can't retweet anymore. Do you notice that? It's now reposting. There is no such thing as a retweet. You can repost. That's where you can find Kerry on social media. And uh, you can hit me up at Dan Bayer on Fox if you want to chime in. Chime in. A big welcome to Charlottesville Fox Sports, 1450 AM, yes, 102.9 FM, Charlottesville, Virginia, market manager Garrett Klingel. Yes, we are now in Charlottesville. Welcome in Charlottesville Fox Sports, 102.9 FM and 1450 AM. 
as we replace ESPN. A big thank you to that. Pumped. Right now we're in ACC country. Who knows by the next decade, maybe Charlottesville is Big Ten country. (laughs) It is all changing. It is Fox Sports Radio. And for the guys on Up on Game, he's Kerry Rhodes, the NFL vet. I'm Dan Beyer. Coming up next, one NFL player has an absolutely brilliant idea when it comes to, well, his peers. You'll hear it next here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray. Depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Fox Sports Saturday at Fox Sports Radio. He's the NFL vet, Kerry Rhodes. I'm Dan Beyer. 
Sitting in for the up on Game Crew. Today's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. In about 20 minutes, Kerry, I'm going to put you, uh, not to the test, <laughs> but I, I'm, I, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rattle off some NFL teams. Okay. And I want to know if, if there is an actual road uh, to the Super Bowl for them. So we're going to play it off your last name, uh-huh. and that's going to come up in about 20 minutes or so. We'll rattle some of them off to you, rapid fire, and you can tell us if they actually have a legitimate shot at getting to the Super Bowl. Not winning a Super Bowl, just getting just there. Just getting there. It, yeah, into the AFC or NFC. You up to that? You up I'm for that? definitely up for that. All right, cool. And then in five minutes or so, we're going to hear something amazing that Jamar Chase said that could be the future of, of the NFL. And I don't think he realized what he was saying, but it could be the future of the National Football League. But I do want to put a bow on something because Iowa Sam has been kicking himself for the last six <laughs> minutes thinking that Ray Rice uh, was a member of the Louisville team. And it only it really, really, Sam, right, this was like a two-minute like faux pas in your brain. This was a two-minute, essentially, brain fart, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what it was. I uh, I crossed the streams and, a little bit in, and historically. It's, it's, it's totally <laughs> fine. I'm not, I, I don't want to harp on that. It's, I would, I would, I'd be the same as Sam as being like, man, why did I do that? That was, that was crazy. What I wanted to do, though, is bring up the point and Kerry mentioned it it was uh the the first year that they were in the big east was the year after you left right right Kerry right so that season that Sam had it mixed up you had Rutgers West Virginia and Louisville all in the race yes. for the conference crown and I had to co- I remember I covered the the blackout game at Louisville when mm-hmm. they played West Virginia on the Thursday night I was there we're, uh, you you and I were there. We were probably <laughs> I was at the media. There were so many media in in that game, and at that time the stadium was a little smaller. Maybe wasn't equipped. Yes, yes. I had to sit outside on a perch because they didn't have <laughs> seats inside the press box for everybody. That, yeah, that, that it was that crazy. was crazy. Dan, yeah, me and uh, I think it was a bye week for me. Me and Jonathan Vilma went went to the game, so it was actually actually fun. Yeah, 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 and you guys won. And then it was the next week, though, that then you ended up going to Rutgers and then or Louisville. Not you, but the yeah. Louisville Cardinals yeah. yep. went to Rutgers, I believe. And that's when Jeremy Ito kicked the game-winning field goal and pointed to the Sky Cam. Mm-hmm. That one of the memorable moments in college football because they had the Sky Cam over the field, and he makes the field goal and immediately points to it. Two things I just wanted to point out. Number one, that was 17 years ago. <laughs> it seems like it was yesterday. But think of what I've mentioned. Louisville in the Big East. Right. Louisville now in the ACC. West Virginia in the Big East. They're in the Big 12. Rutgers in the Big East. They're in the Big 10. And the Big East doesn't play football anymore. <laughs> like, that is, like, it is crazy to think. Like, that was 17 years ago. Yeah. It's fresh in our memory, but how will things change? Maybe that puts a little bit of what just happened over the last 24 <laughs> to 48 hours into perspective. Listen, let's, let's not take Sam all the way off the hook. Um, yes. I, I really look up. I really look look up to Sam's information. He's very quick with it. He's very accurate with it. He came over, apologized. I accept his apology, but you know, it's, let's let's not put him completely off the hook, Dan. Oh man, the red uniforms were <laughs> it probably was a struggle. The, it was the a stru- red and red. I, right? Yeah, all this movement, these teams. You know, like Miami was in the Big East once upon a time. You right. Know, like you've had all. You know, and. The Big East is now a Jesuit basketball uh, league, you know? So. <laughs> oh, man, man. That's crazy, though. I just, I was thinking about that. I'm like, 
gosh, look at where all these teams at one point in their their paths through uh, college sports all intersected at this point in like 2006. Yep. All right, we're going to get to what Jamar Chase said in just a second. Kerry, do you want to throw it over to Isaac Longcron, who yep. is here with the latest on this Saturday morning? I know bus are starting to be unveiled and so much more. What's going on, Isaac? Indeed, as we speak at the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, the first to be inducted linebacker Zach Thomas. He is up on the podium right now, and he was presented by his former head coach, Jimmy Johnson. Meanwhile, New Orleans Saints head coach Dennis Allen just announced that running back Eno Benjamin has been diagnosed with a torn Achilles. Extra notable, of course, given the fact that Saints running back Alvin Kamara was suspended yesterday for the first three games of the season. Atlanta Falcons head coach Arthur Smith said today that cornerback Jeff Okuda is expected to return early in the regular season from an ankle injury. He was carted off the practice field yesterday after sustaining that injury. The Indianapolis Colts today signed free agent running back Kenyon Drake. On Friday, the Pac-12 conference went from nine teams to four teams. First, it was Oregon and Washington leaving for the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah followed them out the door for the Big 12 conference. And Dan and Kerry, I have obtained exclusive audio of Pac-12 executives discussing yesterday's mm, developments. Okay. Wow. Listen. When can we get underway, damn it? That's five <laughs> compartments. She can stay afloat with the first four compartments breached, but not five. Not five. There's no stopping it. But this ship can't see. I assure you, she can. And she will. It is a mathematical certainty. Hopefully for <laughs> Pac-12 fans, heart, their, their hearts will go on. <laughs> Finally, the knockout round of the Women's World Cup kicked off overnight. Spain defeated Switzerland 5-1. Japan, a 3-1 victory over Norway. Japan will face either Team USA or Sweden in the quarterfinals. The USA-Sweden match kicks off at 5 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday morning. Japan, by the way, 4-0 at the World Cup and has outscored its opponents 14-1. Dan Dan and Kerry, back to you. Thank you very much, Isaac. It is Fox Sports Saturday. If you want to reach us on social media, hit us up. Uh, I'm at Dan Byer on Fox on X. And uh, you can find Kerry at Kerry 25 Rhodes. Did you hear what Jamar Chase said earlier this week on the NFL Network, Kerry? I missed it, but I'm I'm excited you're, to hear. You're about to hear it as he <laughs> sat down with Andrew Siciliano and Brian Baldinger. And they were talking about Joe Burrow's calf injury mm-hmm. and the health of Joe Burrow and the start of the regular season. This was that exchange earlier on the NFL Network. Do you have any doubt that he'll be there week one? Um, I told him to – I told him, and with all honesty, I don't want him there. You, you don't want him to play week I, one? Same thing with me and my um, last year. You want year. him week 20. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I set out an extra game just to let my hip all the way heal up. And, you know, you don't want to cause no other problems later on in the season. You know, I told him, as long as you're there after week five and on, you know, we're good, brother. Are what did he say big? to that? I'm sorry. Go, what did, did he did he respond to that? I mean, he just told me, you know, he's going to see how he feels when the time comes. You know, he, he doesn't know when he'll be back, but, you know, he'll be back soon. And, you know, what time will do. Would it be wise – for the Bengals to play it super safe with Joe Burrow and hold him out, not maybe not even one, but five games to what Jamar Chase said, or is Jamar Chase crazy? Jamar Chase is crazy. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's not he, don't, he doesn't have that much time. I mean, the the AFC is <laughs> is really good. If he missed five weeks, they will be so far behind the eight ball that they may not be able to make it up. So um, he's that good. He's the guy that obviously makes that engine. It makes an engine run, makes that team go. So five weeks is a little much. I think it's I think that I, I, I agree with you there. I do think he's on to something though. When he talked about his own hip injuries, yep. and you know, and I I gave a little time. 
I think you can I think you could do that with a lot of positions in the NFL. Yes. You just can't do it with the quarterback position. <laughs> no. You can't keep out a guy for five weeks and be like, we're gonna be okay. Like that that can't happen. And we know a quarterback, by the way, could hit get hurt on the first snap after missing the previous five weeks. So like there's there's always the danger of your quarterback getting injured. But I do think that there when the NFL, when the talk about the NFL going to 18 games and expanding in the regular season and, you know, we're going to do double bye weeks, remember the proposition that was, well, guys could only – somebody was proposing that maybe players could only play 16 games of a 17-game schedule right. or 17 games of an 18-game schedule. I think, it like, on the surface, it seems really crazy. But in being, being careful with these guys, I don't think that Jamar Chase is – too far off of what we now see in the NFL because I think the added week carry mm-hmm. has has made the season much, much longer. And now when you see the, the success, now Kansas City did just come off of a Super Bowl win against the top-seeded Eagles. I, I understand that. But the previous season, we saw the Rams and Bengals make crazy runs to the Super Bowl. Buccaneers the year prior got hot at the end of the year. I, I think that to set up and Brian Balding or Brian Balding or even jumped in saying like, yeah, we, you want him week 20. And I think that <laughs> that's the premise that chase was getting to. And, and Baldinger was, was agreeing to is you want to make sure that your guys are ready towards the end of the season. So while it may sound crazy for Jamar chase to, to say that his quarterback should miss the first five weeks of the season. If there are other players, I, I think you're going to see that more and more with training camp injuries of guys being held out just because of the absolute grind that it is mm-hmm. now with the extra added game. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, you want to be careful. You don't want to rush back from injuries. You want to make sure your guys are ready to go, you know, when the games, you know, when you really need them and it really, really counts. But football is such a different animal because uh, you lose a couple of games uh, in the in the NFL season and you're so far behind the eight ball that it makes it, it just makes it unrealistic. That unrealistically, yeah. you're not going to get in it. You're not going to get back in, in in a place to to make noise. So you always want to be able to make noise in the NFL. And so, five weeks, Cincinnati, really good team, but we all know Joe Burrows is the is the guy that stirs that coffee. So, five weeks is a bit much. Being cautious is a different story, though. Uh, there's there's a reason why I think that he said five weeks. <laughs> why? Okay. There's, there's What's the schedule? Reason. What's the schedule, Dan? <laughs> there you go. Oh, you know where it. this is yes, going. I do. You know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. At Cleveland to open up. Now, big rivalry game. Obviously, don't want to miss it. Week two, the Ravens. Those are two games. I'm sorry. You need Joe Burrow for yes. those games. But – Afterwards, it's the Rams on Monday Night Football in a Super Bowl rem- Super Bowl rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Six. Mm-hmm. Then you're at Tennessee mm-hmm. and at Arizona. Okay, those that- are your yep. first five games, yep. and that is why I think. And then you have the Seahawks, Niners, Bills, and you get into a stretch where Ooh. you uh, start to face the Ravens. Uh, you face the Ravens again, and you have the Steelers and Jaguars. So. But I think that there was a reason why Jamar Chase specifically said five games, and I think that that was probably the reason why. Dan, so if, if Joe doesn't play those first five games, what do you think that's their, their record would be right now? Because I have my opinion already, but go ahead. I would say I, would say I, I don't think that they would be Cleveland or Baltimore, right. and I would, say, I would say two and three. There'd be a game in there that we thought maybe that they would win, um, but they didn't. So I'd say two and three. That's exactly what I would say. 
Really? So we're right on. Yeah, two and three. I don't I don't know which game would like catch them by surprise, you know, if you if you will, but I, I think that Jamar Chase did look at the schedule. <laughs> and so I also give him uh, kudos and a thumbs up to uh, for doing prep work on his quarterback's injury and being like, All right, when the Seahawks come around, then uh, then you can be ready because then the week after you have the 49ers and he set it up that way, but you have that stretch <laughs> against the Rams, Titans, and Cardinals. Yeah. Who by all means, who knows, could be fighting for the number one pick in the NFL draft come next spring, but Jamar Chase kind of knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to see I think you're going to see guys rest, but as long as they're, they're the second half of the season. And the other, the other obvious point is the point you just made off the top. You could maybe, maybe get away with that in the NFC. Mm-hmm. There's no way that is happening in the AFC this year. There's no shot. I mean, it's so many good teams. I mean, in the AFC, in the AFC East alone, that's there's four teams that can make the playoffs. Yeah. And then you think about the the AFC North. I, even, all those guys. Thing. Yeah, it's cra- it's crazy. <laughs> like I think Pittsburgh I I think Pittsburgh's going to be better. You know, we know Cincinnati and Baltimore will be there. Right. And then you'd have Cleveland off the gate. Weird scheduling and I hate that the NFL does this. The Bengals start their season with the Browns and end their season with the Browns. Mm. It just it's it's too big of a gap to play a you know a huge in-state rival. Mm-hmm. There is a point where that week eighteen game could be meaningless, and that's a, that's a shame with the two in-state rivals. But the NFL has their scheduling ways. That's for another day. He's Kerry Rhodes. I'm Dan Byer in for the Up on Game Crew here on Fox Sports Sunday. All right, who has that easy road to the Super Bowl? We'll tell you next here on Fox Sports Radio. He's the NFL vet, Kerry Rhodes. I'm Dan Byer. It's Fox Sports Saturday here on Fox Sports Radio. We're sitting in for the Up on Game Cruise. We are live from the TireRack.com studios. The summer of TireRack sweepstakes rolls on. One winner has already been selected to win a set of four brand new tires. That's right. Anthony Kay from Huntingburg, Indiana was our first winner. And now you can be next. Two more winners have the opportunity to win a set of four tires, plus installation taxes and fees valued at up to $1,500. Enter daily, which gets you a new entry into the contest every single day at FoxSportsRadio.com to boost your chances to win two more winners will take home a set of four new tires between now and august 27th the second winner will be selected next weekend to enter and get rules visit foxsportsradio.com sponsored by tireact.com the way tire buying should be hit carry up at carry 25 roads on the artist formerly known as twitter you can find me on the artist formerly known as twitter <laughs> at dan buyer on fox it's just weird saying on x like i just i i cannot get used to it i'm gonna have to figure something else out some way to work around it but it totally caught me by surprise carrie that the retweet is gone like now it just says reposted really yes oh man yes. i didn't even pay attention so now you're giving me uh bad news on this saturday morning it is very it is very <laughs> weird (laughs) the little icons have changed on everyone's Uh, phone for those that have still kept uh, the uh, social media app oh man all right tire rack uh, is awesome and if you are going to cruise around the country you know tire rack the tires that they can help you out they can get you where you need to be there are 32 teams in the nfl carry that need to get to the super bowl that Mm. want to get to the super bowl Mm -hmm. but realistically there's only a select few that have actual opportunities and real life expectations of maybe getting to play in super bowl 58 in las vegas Mm -hmm. and now 
You get the opportunity to tell us like who is real and who is fake. I'm not going to give you all 32 teams. In fact, I'm even leaving out the Chiefs and Eagles because we feel that, heck, they were in last year's Super Bowl. They're Super Bowl contenders again. Right. But I've got a list of about 10 or 12 teams, and I'm curious if you feel they actually have a chance at making it to Super Bowl 58. You ready to do this? Let, let me get a drum roll. Let me get a drum roll. Let's go. Let's all do right. it. All right, here we go, Kerry. We are on the road. We are cruising to Las Vegas. All right, let's start it out. How about the Buffalo Bills? It's been a little crazy offseason, uh-huh. especially with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen maybe not being on the same page. Uh, what are the Buffalo Bills? Do they do they have the Do you believe they have a chance to get to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas? I do not. Really? I do not. Yeah, I think there's a where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot of things going on behind closed doors that, that with that organization right now. I think with their high-profile players, I think now they're getting to that point where they haven't maxed out that that ceiling yet, and now we're starting mm-hmm. to. Get, I think they're starting to feel the pressure of it. It's that roller coaster. It like is. Now they're, they're on the way down to kind of hit that dip. What about the Cincinnati Bengals team we just talked about? Jamar Chase says Joe Burrow should miss five, should miss five games. Uh, if it was up to him. Bengals, they have a chance to get to Super Bowl 58. They have a chance to get to Super Bowl 58 if Joe Burrows comes back before week five. <laughs> yeah. Simple if, enough. What about, what about the Chargers? The Chargers, I, I, they do. They do have a chance. I think they've been on the cusp there. They've been really good offensively. Defensively, they had to catch up a little bit. If their coach stopped stop using the analytics, analytics so much, they'll have a chance to make it. Obviously, a change at offensive coordinator as well as Kellen Moore is their last time we saw the Chargers yep. was then blowing a lead against the Jaguars in the AFC wildcard round. What about Jacksonville? Does Doug Peterson's team have a chance to get to Super Bowl 58? They have a slim chance to get there. I'm not hmm. putting them on that for sure, for certain, but I do like the way they ended last year. I think that they're, they finally found Trevor Lawrence's comfortable spot in that offense where he can really show his true colors and yes I think they have a chance and so many people are high on Calvin Ridley coming back from from his suspension and being added to that offense that already has tons of weapons with Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and um, yeah it'll be it'll be an exciting season in Jacksonville for sure Uh, Lamar Jackson is uh, safe and sound in Baltimore he's got his money Odell Beckham Jr. is there what about the Ravens the Ravens definitely have a chance I think they've been uh, really good regular season team when Lamar is healthy Uh, haven't performed well in the playoffs but now the new offense, the new weapons, a chance for him to really unleash it and be be special. Give him a chance to be special. I think he can. So Baltimore, yes. Kerry says that the road to the Super Bowl could go through Baltimore. What about Pittsburgh? Steelers, Kenny Pickett's second year as a starter. No, I don't think they have enough yet. I think Kenny Pickett's uh, definitely on the rise. And hearing all the comments from camp and, and where he is now from in his second year seems, seems really, really good. And I love Mike Tomlin as well, but I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. All right, you know what's next? It's the J-E-T-S Jets, 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 <laughs> not led by Aaron Rodgers. What about them going to Vegas? They definitely have a chance. I can't, okay. I, I can't say they don't. They have a chance. You got, you got the, one of the best trigger men in the game um, on your team. You can feel the energy. You can feel the guys really buying, buying what he's selling and what that team is selling. So I would say yes. And I'm not being a homer. I I really think they can. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One more from the AFC. Then we'll hit the NFC, which doesn't have as many contenders. What about Bill Belichick and those Patriots? No chance. 
No chance. None. And Done. I, and Belichick's great, obviously. But I think we need to see if he can get it done without Brady. And that hasn't been the case so far. So we'll see. But I don't think so. Forgive me, Dolphins and Raiders and Broncos fans. Time permitting, your team just did not get mentioned. <laughs> Let's jump to the NFC. Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Do they have a chance to go to Super Bowl 58? <sighs> in the NFC, they have a chance. Um, if they were in the AFC, I would say no way. But NFC, they have a chance. I hope Dak, you know, Dak's been open about his interception problem from last year. He's hopefully, hopefully he's not thinking about that too much and just comes out and plays. But, yes, they have weapons. They got a good defense. I love Dan Quinn. They have a chance. A couple more for you. What about the Giants? Saquon Barkley now under contract. Daniel Jones has his deal. Could the Giants make it to Super Bowl 58? The Giants, mm, they're, they're, they're the kings of looking like they can't make it and make it in those Eli years. And I just – you know, Daniel Jones reminds me of him a little bit as far as he's under the, you know, he's he's okay, and then he's good, then he's okay. Yeah. So I don't know, but I don't think so. And two more, uh, the Lions. Ooh, everybody's favorite to win the NFC. Well, not everyone's, but a lot of people's <laughs> favorite to win the NFC North. Yeah, I think they, I think they will win in the NFC North, but make the playoffs, yes. Super Bowl, no. And the Vikings, last one. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Could they be in Sin City in mid-February? Uh, the Kirk Cousins story, I love him now. Seeing him on the, uh, the, the the Netflix show, quarterback, really became a fan, but they will not get it done. I don't think they have a chance either. There it is. Carries roads to the Super Bowl heading into the 2023 NFL season. It is Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Kerry Rhodes. Coming up next, Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony going on, or is it the Hall of Average? Yeah, we got you for another hour right here on Fox Sports Radio. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. If you missed the show, don't worry about it. You can always go to FoxSportsRadio.com, click on podcasts, and find Fox Sports Weekends, and you can check out what you missed in the first hour. What you did miss was Kerry saying that he does not miss the start of the NFL season in training. <laughs> camp that is that is something that he that, does not fact, miss <laughs> a decade about a decade removed from the game and still does not have the itch to go through any of it do you think at any point in your life you're going to be like man i kind of wish i was i was at camp or is that just not physically possible yeah dan that ship has sailed it's it's the rocky waters are, are still and calm and feels so much better on this side <laughs> but you know what <laughs> but you know what man i can't i i can't i'd be remiss if i don't wish my buddy Darrell Rivas a, a great enshrinement today. I was actually invited out and uh, couldn't get out there. My birthday just passed, so I had some stuff to do here. And oh, happy birthday. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, so I couldn't get out there, but I want to send him his flowers. The, the best cover corner I've been around seeing. Uh, pleasure to call my teammate. Um, a guy that came in right away, took him under my wing. He wanted to learn the game, learned it well, and just took off, man. It was, it's a, it was a beautiful thing to see. I remember a buddy of mine telling me he's also in the in the media business, but uh, he was based in South Florida, and there was, you know, he was at at some football camp with fellow wide receivers, and this was before Revis, I think, became Revis Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the question was asked. I, I don't know if it was asked privately in a private conversation or if they they were you know doing a broadcast or something, but you know, who who is the best you know toughest corner that the receivers had to face? And the couple of receivers that were there 
without hesitation, said Darrell Revis. What what made him so great? How did you know of his greatness? Because it wasn't like straight out of pit. He's Mr. Lockdown Corner in Revis Island. Like mm-hmm. it seemed to take a little while, but it felt like it felt like one of those one of those things that the league knew about it, but everybody else didn't know about it. When did you know about it? Well, I mean, early on, man, I got he I remember coming in 2007. He was he, he, he was holding out a little bit to get his get his deal done. And so you start getting that negative, uh, you know, vibe around this kid coming in thinking he's, you know, bigger than everybody else. Or, you know, you just have those moments when yeah. you're in a team where things don't look good coming in. You see that and you kind of feel that energy. But I remember as soon as he got in the building, he was just locked in. He's one of those guys that legit was – all about football and locking in to be the best version of himself every day. And I was a guy that learned when I came in early that you had to study to to really be really good in this league and to separate yourself because we're all talented. We're all athletic. We all have the gifts. But that, that's why we're there. But to separate yourself, you needed to study the game and be a student of the game. And he came in right away. I mean, literally, literally wouldn't leave my side. Wanted to study, like learn, learn, learn. And then you could see like, how he started to break down film of receivers and guys. He was so intent on knowing what could be happen- happening to him on the field mm-hmm. and putting himself in the best positions to succeed. And so that's what stood out the most. But also his physical presence at the line, he just does not lose. He's so patient. And a lot of guys, even when they get beat or they get beat off the line, they have that, they, they lose their calm, they lose their wits. He never did. I mean, even if he, even if the guy got him off the line, he could play through it and get back and always play calm. But just very, I think, assured of himself. And I think that was the, the biggest thing about you know lockdown baby Revis at the time. And Revis, I believe, and my opinion, and interested in yours, mm-hmm. if Deion Sanders had his way, and there was a second floor, an upper level, a mm-hmm. penthouse suite of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think Darrell Revis would be in that penthouse suite. Like this is this is where the discussion of the Hall of Fame or is it the Hall of Very Good kind of comes into play. Dion has made a point over the last couple of years of of saying, you know, there listen, there there are a bunch of great guys that played football players, but they're they're elite football players that are in the Hall of Fame and right. to mix them with maybe some of the others, Dion's not not a huge fan of. I think Revis would be in that penthouse level that that Dion talks about do you feel the same way yeah the penthouse level thing is a little bit um that, that's a little weird of a comment from for me from Dion even though I, I know what you're saying and and, and if, if that's the case and in the sake of that argument yes Darrell does belong in that but the 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 you know the the time the time periods the the way the game was played all of that changes is all different so a person, you know, from the forties or the fifties obviously wouldn't stack up athletically to the guys, you know, in in this age now and even the way the game has changed or blossomed, right? So with the advancement of the game, the advancement of how, you know, big and and physical these guys are now, like it just doesn't compute. So to try to separate the levels is kind of hard. Obviously I think there are some guys in in the Hall of Fame that you know, maybe have maybe got there off reputation and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's 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 such a hard thing to do and and filter out. So I just want to yeah. celebrate all the guys. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm not gonna put you on the 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 spot or, or make you name names, but 
I'm, I am going to point out a couple of things, and this kind of lends to the fact of what Dion is talking about. Mm-hmm. For a while, when the NFL, prior to the NFL Honors show, they used to have a special ceremony, a special press conference on the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Because I had to cover a bunch of them, Carrie, in the media on, on Super Bowl weeks where the Hall of Fame class was revealed. And now they, they reveal it. And they do the videos and they do the knocks and the players kind of know a few days you know, in advance yeah, yeah. that they you know, that they are going into the Hall of Fame. But usually it was guys are waiting in hotels. They're waiting for that call. And then if they get the call, they're rushed to the convention center where the press conference is. And then they're brought in and. You know, sometimes guys are there, sometimes they're not there, but it was usually a Saturday afternoon sort of thing. And the, the reason I bring it up is because I remember covering it and they would tell you that the maximum number, you know, for enshrinement was such and such, but it doesn't mean that they were going to enshrine that many players. Well, there hasn't been a year, I think, in the last 15 years where they haven't used the maximum slots. Yeah. Like, there is never a point where they're saying, guess what? Only three guys got in this year. And it was just a little over a week ago that in Cooperstown, New York, when they made the Baseball Hall of Fame, that Scott Rowland, Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff got in, but McGriff got in on a different vote. It was He was voted in on by a, a, essentially a senior committee, a, a committee of, of, of Hall of Famers and others wasn't in on the general ballot that you normally get in. Scott Rowland was the only player voted in on the normal original ballot. Yeah. And there were years that some guys in major league or some years where the hall of fame didn't have anybody, you know, in, and that's the part where I think like that, that where I agree with Dion is I'm not going to poo poo on anyone's career because I I don't want to do that. Yeah. However, the point is, is, I know that there are some years where there are more Hall of Famers than others. And that tells me that those other years where there's not, maybe you don't have to fill the class. Maybe that's just the opportunity to get the guys who are maybe backlogged in other years. And it just seems like that the NFL or, excuse me, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is just trying to kind of make everyone happy. Yeah. And baseball is a little bit more difficult with stats, but I just there's always been a full class for the 15 or so years, and I just don't know if that's the case when it comes to really determining Hall of Famers that we've had that many. Yeah, I think the the uh, exclusive the exclusivity of it is 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 being dampened by uh, you know all the all the people coming in and you know all the discussions of who deserves it? Um, mm-hmm. do, they, do they deserve it? Do the numbers stack up? Obviously, again, like we said, the era of football has changed so much. So, the numbers these guys are putting up now, it looks like these. It looks looks like they're Hall of Famers. Obviously, I mean, it, the numbers are are astronomical. But it's 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 hard. I think the eye test. I think there's so many factors that go into place with, you know, identifying a really, 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 really special football player, and sometimes. Sometimes you don't win the Super Bowl. Sometimes you don't get the the high stats because of the style of play your team plays on. But that doesn't mean you're not a Hall of Fame type player. So I think there's, I think it's hard. Obviously, baseball it seems like <laughs> it's the hardest to to, to make. Yeah, and uh, they're very they're very um, non lenient with with their guys. So and baseball is obviously such a numbers game. Yeah, because it's it's. Even if you're, you know, a pitcher, uh, your your numbers are there. A hitter's numbers are there. You can even look at fielding. Like, w- what are the numbers for a guard? You know, like <laughs> exactly. What, what in the world? Like, how would you like post those numbers up to somebody else? Like, you 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 can't do it. And it's it's I'm 
I'm glad that you like brought that up because the the position maybe outside of quarterback that has the most numbers or way the numbers that maybe pop out are what is wide receiver right and it is tough for wide receivers to get into the Hall of Fame. This has now been a thing for the past 10 or 15 years, and I don't know if it's because the NFL has become more quarterback-friendly, but I think even our bar of letting quarterbacks in, it was funny. We were at Rams camp on Thursday uh, for the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio, and I'm on Doug's show during the week. You know, and Doug brought up the fact, he goes, he thinks that Matthew Stafford is going to get into the Hall of Fame. And at first blush, I was like, whoa, wait a sec. Then I kind of thought back, I'm like, Super Bowl win, you got stats, you've got, you know, this and that. I'm like, you know what, he probably will be. But we don't like we don't take that same thing with that same sort of uh, leniency with wide receivers. And in fact, it's the opposite. So you have Dion, who's talking for an upper class in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And there are wide receivers. Tory Holt's not in the Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne's not in the Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I know that like, ballots are early. Yeah. Um, and at some point, Andre Johnson's probably going to get in. But Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne have been waiting a little while. Well, their quarterbacks are sure as heck in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. The guy that lined up on the other side of the field is the wide receiver is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I just I find the wide receiver position, and then you defended wide receivers. It was it was what they paid you to do in the National Football League. Right. What what when you like hear like a you know a Tory Holt or a Reggie Wayne is not in the Hall of Fame, and you've played against these guys. Yeah. Like, th- does it make you mad? Is it, you know like what are you what are your emotions towards it? Yeah, I don't have any emotions towards. It. I think the I think like what you said, it's really hard because in Passer-friendly offenses, Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne are going to get numbers. I mean, they're playing with Peyton Manning and Kurt Warner, right? So you're going to have those chances to to make plays, get the ball. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're Hall of Fame special. Reggie Wayne is – hes I'm sure he's going to get in at some point. But the number one receiver on that team was – Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Harrison. and yeah. it wasn't even close. Like you go, you you go into the game plan on 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 Sunday, and you know you have to start stop Marvin Harrison. So Reggie Wayne benefited from some of that, right? So again, yeah, the 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 complex nature of the game and how good these guys really are, and not just system players. I'm not saying they're both system players, but the system helped them. Sure. What about a guy like Steve Smith or Heinz Ward? Oh yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, Steve Smith would have a higher chance than Heinz Ward just because Heinz Ward's a really good player. Again, numbers wouldn't stack up to those guys. Yeah. Um, heart and soul, somebody that they really, really needed to be successful and win, not a, not a Hall of Fame player. Steve Smith, same. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player, but numbers are definitely better and definitely a guy that you had to pay attention to on Sunday. So I'm not sure. I'm sure he may have a chance as well, but you know, I, it's it's so hard, man. It's that's it's hard. Yeah, I think Heinz Ward, and the only reason I bring him up is I I, I did read an article where they were talking about you know snubs, if you will, or guys that haven't gotten in, and his name was included. And I was, you know, I was I was a bit surprised. Like he's he's definitely you know Steelers Hall of Fame worthy. Oh, for sure. You know, and in such a beloved member of that Steelers team, but. It's the same. It's the same argument, I think, when you look at someone like Julian Edelman, and mm-hmm. you're talking about you know his Hall of Fame candidacy. Yeah, and you know, like obviously loved and made some enormous plays for the New England Patriots, but on the grand scheme of things, I just don't. I don't think 
I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, and I don't think that he's you know a pro football Hall of Famer. Great career, and again, like, I feel so I feel so bad saying this stuff, Kerry. And I can't you know because these guys you know you know gave their their body up for ten years you know in the National Football League just like you did, and right. I'm like, well, that's not good enough. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but truly, like that's that's what that's the point that Dion is also trying to make you know with all of this. So I, the wide receiver position is just crazy. I think on on the guys that that the familiar names maybe that aren't in some that should be knocking in and mm-hmm. then there's a handful of guys that maybe aren't but because of what they did for their teams people think maybe have a better shot than than they realistically do right dan what do you think about frank gore i think he has to go in <laughs> and, and, and the reason the reason why is because i am a big carry i've when it comes to the Hall of Fame, I feel like I have this. This could be like my seventh annual rant about running backs in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. I feel guys like Fred Taylor, Ricky Waters, Warwick Dunn, Tiki Barber, the guys who were dual backs running and receiving, put up crazy video game numbers. Those guys should be put into the Hall of Fame. And I think when we look at running backs, we – the running backs now different in the National Football League, obviously in the current state. Right. But someone like like Jerome Bettis got in years ago, and I'm I'm always pick on Jerome Bettis, and Jerome Bettis probably hates me for it. But he was a one dimensional back on a team that everybody loved, and he wasn't a great goal line back. So he accumulated a lot of stuff, and then his final game was a Super Bowl win, and everybody loved him because it was in his hometown. Right. I think that Jerome Bettis got into the Hall of Fame, and if you really look at what the Hall of Fame is, I, I don't know if he should be in the Hall of Fame. But since Jerome Bettis is in, then to me that lowers the bar for the, you know, for the Tiki Barbers, for the Fred Taylors, and those guys that did both. And so when you bring in Frank Gore, who heck had more yards than Jerome Bettis, he's third. Like I think he will be in the Hall of Fame because you just can't. You can't ignore the numbers that he put up over his career. So, oh man, that's yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for me because I love I love Frank and I, um, you know, I've played against him for I mean since college, right in Miami. So I've had a chance to see him and and know what he went through and to even have the career that he had after the injuries he had in college to play sixteen years of tackle football is just it's it's crazy. I can't even fathom it. Um, and to have sixteen thousand total yards like the I mean, it equals a thousand yards a year. It's, it's hard. I just, it's. Uh, it, I don't think he is a Hall of Fame level running back. I think he's a Hall of Fame level. I think he's had a Hall of Fame level career, which is, which is the the crazy part about it, though. Yeah, I just, he's. I think he's going to get in because of the numbers. Yeah. And when you say sixteen thousand yards rushing, it is exactly <laughs> sixteen thousand yards I know. rushing. Like, it's not sixteen zero zero one. It is sixteen zero zero zero. I just. I think when when they when he gets up for enshrinement, it may not be first ballot. Could be a couple of years afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think that that maybe could be the process. But when you look at where everybody is. And by the way, the running backs in the Hall of Fame are going to be getting fewer and fewer throughout time because of what is now happening in the National Football League. Right. Every single player who is top 16 and rushing in the NFL uh, all time is in the Hall of Fame, except for Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, who are not eligible. And hmm. so I think that tells you who is going to get in and, and who isn't. And the guy that is 17th, Fred Taylor, mm. you know, 
and and so this again it just kind of goes to Steven Jackson you know former yep. Rams running back yep. you know in St. Louis is is 18th all time in rushing and so I think like those names I just think that the dual back you know back in the early 2000s you know Marshall Falk was so good yes you know obviously with with the Rams and he is a Hall of Famer mm-hmm. but I feel like other guys were were doing that as well and we don't necessarily look at the running back class as fairly as we should because I think a lot of guys are getting shortchanged. And you talk about the eye test. Marshall Falk is a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like it's not even yeah. a question. Like And so it, I think there are guys like that that pop off the screen where you there's there, there are no doubters. And then I think for the rest, it's it's really just what is the criteria? What are you really looking at? And how are they making these claims to, to be Hall of Fame? And I think if it was more clarity around what what that entails it'll make it a, a little bit easier for us to digest he's Kerry Rhodes I'm Dan Byer in for the up on game guys here on Fox Sports Radio it's a Fox Sports Saturday as we're live from the TireRack.com studios coming up next uh, there's a story developing with one young quarterback in the National Football League plus I'm going to put a bow on our Hall of Fame discussion because there was one guy that's in the Hall of Fame that I think is the biggest debate of them all so we'll put a bow on that we'll talk the future of the NFL and so much more next year on Fox Sports Radio do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Kerry Rhodes sitting in for the Up on Game crew. 
TJ LeVar Plaxico out tonight. So Kerry's carrying all of the NFL experience on his shoulders today. <laughs> you know, the, the name that I wanted to just talk about quickly because the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremonies are going on. And we talked a lot about wide receivers, talked a bit about running backs. And the, the point, Kerry, that I wanted to make about the running backs, and, and I mentioned, you know, my thoughts on Jerome Bettis. It's not personal. I just I, I feel he was a one-dimensional back. And mm-hmm. you get an advantage for playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And there there's no doubt – and I know you didn't play against Terrell Davis. He was about a decade before you came into the league. But for three years in the National Football League, there probably wasn't a better player. Uh, was the NFL MVP in 1998 when he ran for 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Then had the knee injury, and it was basically done after that. I mean, that was that was it. So you had three like outstanding years, a 36-month window, basically, where <laughs> Terrell Davis was the best player in, you know, in football or top running back. And he's in the Hall of Fame. The two Super Bowls help. He was such a big part of those Super Bowls. I, I absolutely get it. But it is such a short career. And so when you talk about the guys who did both, mm-hmm. the Priest Holmes of the world, you know, we – you mentioned that, you know, Reggie Wayne and, and Tory Holt maybe uh, being looked at as guys who were in systems and they weren't the number one guys in those systems. Right. And I, I kind of feel it's the same way with a guy like Priest Holmes, but I just don't understand it. It's I don't I don't expect you to have the answer. I don't right. I don't know who's going to have the answer, but it's like what Mike Shanahan's. You know, offense wasn't a system. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like when, when he's getting those opportunities, like that's the problem that I have when I feel like some guys are are being, you know, left out and other guys are getting in. Yeah, I think, yes, Mike Shanahan's system is a system for sure. But I don't think everybody he, – he, I don't think you could have placed another running back in that, in that system to be as productive as, as TD, right? So there's mm-hmm. – um, Again, I think it boils down to the eye test again. Um, seeing how explosive he was, seeing how much the system helped him, but how he made the system better as well. So there's a combination of really looking sure. at football and being a part of the moment with someone and seeing that that person's special, right? Priest Holmes, I love him. Priest Holmes is special. Um they didn't have the team success that the Denver Broncos had, right? So you also have a situation where he's with another Hall of Famer and John Elway that obviously boost boosts boosts him up on a, on a different pedestal as well. So it's a lot of right time, right place, circumstance. Uh, it's so many elements that go into it, Dan. It's like, yeah, if there was a way that we, like I said earlier, but in in the previous segment that. There was a criteria <laughs> that, you know, after all these ingredients are culminated, culminated at the end, it looks like a Hall of Famer, and you know that's a Hall of Famer. It'll be a lot simpler. Yeah. The, the you know, and, and Terrell Davis is really kind of the exact opposite of Frank Gore. Yes. <laughs> you know, in terms of, of where you are. And yeah. I, I had mentioned how when you look at the top 16 running backs all time, rushing in the NFL, the only two that aren't in the Hall of Fame, just aren't eligible yet, and that's Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. When you go and try to look for the Terrell Davis in terms of where he is right. in the rushing category of it, 
you're scrolling for a little while. Like, <laughs> like, like you are. Like, you're going down. You're like, wait, this. And you go, oh, there he is. There he is at 58. He's 58. Mm. And he's just higher than Jamal Charles, who spent a little bit longer in the National Football League, but also was that dual back. Yep. And Priest Holmes actually has more rushing yards than him. Priest Holmes played longer in the National Football League. Yep. The 2,000-yard year really does you know, stand out for Davis. And you know what? You brought up a point that I had never really thought of, is that we had thought of Mike Shanahan's offense of being plug and play. And I feel like even Kyle Shanahan, you kind of have some of that. But you see the levels it can go to with Christian McCaffrey as opposed to maybe Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson, and no disrespect to those guys, exactly. but it's a little bit a little bit more. Like we think of Olandis Gary and Mike Anderson and guys who were put into that system and had successful numbers. They didn't have 1,700 yards. They didn't have 2,000-yard seasons. And, so that's, a, and that's the difference, Dan. So, yeah, it, I mean, systems are great, and systems are going to, you know, if, if they're really good, they're going to put guys in the best position to 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 be the to be the best version of themselves, and you get that, and then you get a special player like TD on top of it. Then it's that's when it's special. He's Kerry Rhodes. I'm Dan Byer. Let's jump to the news desk. Isaac Lohenkron going to give us the latest of what is happening on this Saturday uh, enshrinement ceremonies. And I, I don't know if there's a whole lot going on outside Women's World Cup. I know earlier today you're going to dive into. Inclu- a little baseball. Mm-hmm, including a potential international incident in the Women's Ooh. World Cup. We will get Let's to that shortly. Uh-oh. But as you mentioned, the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023 being inducted as we speak in Canton, the most recent to complete their induction. Pass rusher DeMarcus Ware, who is presented by Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. Indeed. And then Ware himself <laughs> took the stage. Enshrinement, by definition, is to cherish the sacred. I cherish every trial and tribulation that has, that has gotten me here. I am his sacred work. This is and has been God's work through me. Jets defensive lineman Joe Klecko on the podium giving his induction speech as we speak. New Orleans Saints head coach Dennis Allen announced today that running back Eno Benjamin has been diagnosed with a torn Achilles. Extra notable, of course, because Saints running back Alvin Kamara suspended yesterday for the first three games of the season. Jacksonville Jaguars offensive lineman Tyler Shatley back at practice today after experiencing an irregular heartbeat earlier this week. Two Major League Baseball games going on right now. Astros and Yankees scoreless in the bottom of the second inning. Tampa Bay, a 1-0 lead at Detroit in the top of the second. Knockout round of the Women's World Cup kicked off overnight. Spain over Switzerland, 5-1. Japan advancing to the quarterfinals with a 3-1 victory over Norway. So Japan will face either Team USA or Sweden in the quarterfinals. The USA-Sweden match kicks off at 5 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday morning in Melbourne. And Team USA has actually found itself in controversy when it referred to Melbourne as Melby in a social media post and apparently many people in Melbourne found this offensive including a woman who lives in Melbourne named Dorothy who tweeted and I quote no our wonderful city has never ever been called Melby many neutral supporters may well now jump on Sweden's bandwagon as a result you only have yourself to blame. Unquote. <laughs> Looks like for Dorothy, there's no place like home. Anyway, this. Oh, con- yeah, yeah. Very good. I knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie can see it from I, a mile I, I away. I saw it. 
Yeah. Well, Carrie, you obviously studied the film on me before this one. So this controversy escalated all the way to the point where Team USA star Alex Morgan was actually asked about it during a news conference today. I didn't know there was a stir caused um, from from shortening a city's name. I mean, they say Brecky, so I thought Melby was just the next continuation of that. Um, But we'll call them whatever they want. Uh, you can't make this stuff up, guys. Back to you. <laughs> I, I will say this. As a uh, someone who was born and raised in Wisconsin, I never heard the term scony used. Or whiskey? Ever. Whiskey? <laughs> would, you, would you get offended heard, at those? Heard, <laughs> I heard whiskey a little bit, but I never heard scony. And then I moved out to California, and I don't know. I feel like it's been in the last 10 years. Like There are T-shirts that now say Scott, I never had ever, ever heard of that. I heard a little whiskey, but never Scotty. Dan and, and Isaac. I Dan and I, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off, Dan. But That's okay. The Mel- Melbourne, I've been there quite a bit. They are very proudful, very prideful. And if something irks them, they will let you know about it. So they were definitely irked. And I, I it, it, it adds up. It all adds yeah. up when I hear it. Probably when San Francisco people... Uh, hear people say Frisco. That's an annoying one that they don't like either. Uh, they are not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of that. Never heard, but I've never heard Scani until I until I left this state. Dan and apparently now Melbourne has heard Mel B. Iowa Sam is here. I have jumped in here. Scani makes me cringe a little bit. I don't know no, why. It's, it's awful. <laughs> I hate it. I, I get Scani is just ugh, cringe, cringy. By the way, wasn't Mel B one of the Spice Girls? Yes, yes, Mel B. Very good. That is correct. Oh man, and drama at the uh, at the World Cup. All right, get Isaac on X <laughs> at Isaac Lohenkron. Uh, you can hit Kerry Rhodes and myself up. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. You can find Kerry at Kerry twenty. Five roads. Anthony Richardson was drafted fourth overall by the Indianapolis Colts. They brought in Gardner Minshew this offseason, but it has been Richardson getting the first team snaps, and it sure seems like uh, he is on track to be the Colts starting quarterback in week one of the NFL's regular season. The reason I bring this up, Kerry, is because of all the conversation that we had had. I don't know, what, three, four months ago and leading up to the NFL draft and mm-hmm. what can Anthony Richardson do? And at one point, I thought that Anthony Richardson should have been the first overall pick in the draft if people were as high on his ceiling as they were. But the common theme was, you know, let the guy sit because he's young, because he was inexperienced, and let him do his thing. And that does not seem to be the case in Indianapolis right now. Are the Colts doing the right thing? Or are they doing the wrong thing with Anthony Richardson and making him, you know, get all these first team snaps in training camp? Well, they got the blueprint right. They had a guy who came in as a rookie. Uh, ceiling was really high. Um, a lot of people were, were high on what he could do and what he could bring to the franchise. And Peyton Manning, right? He started was out there from day one. He had his bumps and bruises. Learned terrible first year. Um, but I won't say terrible. I mean, I just. Terrible yeah, stats. a lot of interceptions. Yes, yeah, stat-wise, yes. but you know, I'm sure the the the, um, you know, having the experience of getting out there and, get, and getting it going was was good for him. I think what the Colts are doing right now, though, I don't know if Anthony Richardson is ready or not. I don't know if it's the best decision, but right now they're in a, in a place where they need to have some hope. They need to have some some butts in the seats, and so he will do that. And he's their number one pick. He'll give them a chance to, you know have something to root for but right now I think that's more what it is it's about giving 
that that city a chance to come and, and see possibly the future of what this team can can bring? I think that there are two things at play in here. Number one, when it comes to Jonathan Taylor, and I felt this when he yep. asked for his trade request that Jonathan Taylor knew that Anthony Richardson is going to be a part of that offense this year and likely going to be the starter. And you know whose numbers go down when you have a running quarterback? It's very likely that it's the starting running back. So when you're Jonathan Taylor and people are going to say, oh, wait, you were injured in 2022 and then your numbers decreased in 2023 from your great season in 2021 – you know, we, we don't think we should pay you as much. I get why he would want to be traded or would be not happy or would want a long-term deal. I completely understand that. But I also think that there's another part of this that isn't Jonathan Taylor related, and it's actually the future of the NFL, where if Anthony Richardson works out, if this is the plan, mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, there are guys like when Dirk Nowitzki was drafted and then became so great and won a title and, and, and Hall of Fame career, for 20 years, heck, I think people are still trying to do it now, trying to draft the next Dirk, right. or maybe they're trying to draft the next Giannis. And I think that's could be the case that you would get in the National Football League, that the raw talents, the guys that would have limited experience but you know could have that ceiling. If Anthony Richardson has any sort of success this year as the Colts' starting quarterback – I think that's going. To, he's going to start a trend in the NFL in the draft where you're seeing these quarterbacks that, you know, have all the skills but maybe just not the experience and, and have that, this raw ability. They're going to be the guys going one, two, and three, and maybe not so much the more polished Bryce Youngs and C.J. Strouds because of the success that Anthony Richardson would have had in his rookie season by getting to start right away. We had thought four months ago we had thought Richardson's probably going to sit out the whole season or maybe play right. later on and then. But now if he's number one, I mean – you're, you know, the number one quarterback and getting starts, I think that could change the uh, the future of how teams look at quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, the whole thing is the old MJ quote, right? The ceiling is the roof. Yeah. I think it goes I think it goes through the roof with uh, <laughs> with Anthony Richardson, Richardson and his potential. Um, it's always a shaky and, and, you know, could be suspect thing to throw a, throw a guy out there. I mean, the quarterback uh, position is such a fragile one. Confidence is fleeting and uh, – it's very hard to get back once you lose it. So you just got to be careful. Give him – I think if they're giving him the chance to do what he does best and not play traditional quarterback to start this thing, then he has a chance. But if they throw him in the fire and tell him to go straight into the pro-style offense and make all the reads and do all that, it can be a it can be a long haul for him. So hopefully they treat him right, give him a chance to be successful, and then maybe – yeah, I mean, maybe you're right when it comes to drafting – you know, more potential, uh, you know, guys yeah. with bigger ceilings than, than, than the guys that are just going to come in and be plug and play. He's Kerry Rhodes. I'm Dan Byer in for the Up On Game crew here on Fox Sports Radio. So we're live from the TireRack.com studios. Coming up next, we'll have our progressive play of the day. Plus, how up on our games are you? Ah, we'll test that fact next here on Fox Sports Radio. Here's the pitch on the way, swing and a fly ball deep into left center field. Adams going back to the one, he tracked to the wall, leaps up. Does he make the catch? No, he doesn't. Goodbye, baseball. The big dumper, Cal Raleigh with a home run out to bedrock. Could that be the worst nickname in sports? Uh, Mariners Radio Network on the call is our progressive play of the day brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. 
the Mariners beating the Angels and the Angels falling fast from that playoff race despite making moves at the trade deadline uh, just a week ago. Again, Mariners Radio Network on the call. This is up on game on Fox Sports Saturday, but you don't have LeVar. You don't have TJ. You don't have Plexico. You do have Kerry, though. Kerry Rhodes is our NFL player representative. I'm Dan Byer sitting in with Kerry today, hanging out. And I figured, Kerry, the best way to wrap up the show since this, this show is about the the opinions and the thoughts of of guys who played the game just like you Mm -hmm. i i also played the game but just not to the level that you did all right (laughs) Uh and not not even close to the level that you did we're talking we're talking high school and that was it but Mm -hmm. carrie Mm -hmm. what i have done is i've compiled moments from your career Uh and my career and we're going to see how Iowa Sam and Bo Benson do in determining <laughs> who did what during our games, okay? Yes, so they're going to have to decide if the, the stat or the tidbit that I give them happened to you in your career or me in my playing career. Is that fair? Let's do it. Let's see. All right, let's do it. All right, let's see how well Bo, Iowa Sam, are you guys ready for this? You're working as a team. Oh, yeah. You're not against oh, yeah. each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Which you normally are, okay? I Let's feel go. like as long as you don't ask us where Ray Rice played football, we'll be okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> shot. Had to be oh, listening. Oh, no. Oh, man. With teammates like that, who needs enemies? Exactly. All right. Who started every game in his first three years? Was that Kerry or was that me? I think that's... So, like, some of these are going to be designed to get to trip us up. I, that's going to sound like a Dan Byer to me. I don't... I think that that's... I think that's Carrie. <laughs> all right. We're going to need a final okay. answer from yeah, the team. Yeah, all right. No, I'll, I'll let Sam have this one. We'll, we'll go with Carrie. Okay. Let's go with Carrie. It is correct. In fact, Carrie started the first uh, for the uh, every game in the first four years of his of his pro football career. So one for one in that one. That's quite an accomplishment. Right out the gate, you're starting as a rookie and yep. hold on to that starting spot. Yep. It's not too bad. And then uh, what? The next year, 16 games again, and then uh, in Arizona, all 16 games. All right, they're off to a good start, Gary. <laughs> all right, who led his league in fumble recovery TDs in a season? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, opposite side of the coin here, and I'm gonna go with uh, Dan. Yeah, I'm that's gonna say um, Dan. I'm gonna say Dan too. Kerry Rhodes did in wow. 2010. Yes. Yeah. Led the, led the NFL in fumble recoveries for TDs by a defensive player with the Cardinals. What, did it just fall into your bread box? Or, you know? I'm one of those guys, Dan. I'm always around the ball. So. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> so the, the, I'm, look, I'm looking at them while they're answering like this. <laughs> no. When you're good, you make your own luck. <laughs> exactly. All right. One of two. One of two. All right. In his junior year, had two interceptions. Junior year had two interceptions. Hmm. Was it my junior year in high school or was it Kerry's junior year at Louisville? Uh, I'm going to say that's Dan. Yeah, let's say that's that Dan. One of these has to that be. That is. That yeah, is yeah, correct. Kerry yeah. had, had three his junior <laughs> year at Louisville. <laughs> but yes, two picks. For an 0-9 Merrill Blue Jay squad. Oh, did you, uh, all right. Did you take one back, Dan? What's that? Did you take it back, though? Um, no. <laughs> one of them, I got completely blindsided. Like, all of a sudden, turned my head, and there's a guard about to level me. Uh, all right. Who wore number 12 in school? Wore number 12 in school. 
I think that, that was Dan. Terry Rhodes? Yeah, I think that's Dan. That, that is correct. All right, you guys are three for four, but Carrie and I do have something in common. Carrie, you wore what number at Louisville? At Louisville, I yeah. wore 19 and one. Number wow. one. So yes. you were atop the program. Yes. We didn't have single digit numbers. We only had them starting at 12. So they asked me what number, and I said, I want my name first on the program. <laughs> so I took 12. So that's what Carrie Rhodes and I have in common. Nope. That's our game today. This has been Up on Game. Carrie, it's been fun. Dan, amazing. Enjoy your Saturday. You too, brother. Later. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.